get going. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com, and up there is the AI. I want to say hi. Good evening, hometown citizens. <laughs> uh, what y'all don't know is the AI sent out the commands for emotes and waving hands and whoopla, but didn't say anything. So y'all didn't see it, but you get to hear it when they actually go hello. Anyway, today is episode, well, it's season two, episode 176 for June 25th, 2023. Ren Fair in space. And more news. Uh, we've already selected all 12 of our articles today. You can go over and vote. All you have to do is go over to hometown.com and then down to elections. So hometown.com slash elections. And if you want to do the past elections, you can go to hometown.com slash past dash elections. There will be soon commands in chat so that you can pull it all up. Um, but right now, no, not, sorry about that. It's in the works. Um, Omatron though is working and um, will be getting enhanced as time permits. Okay, so I'm looking at a bunch of monitors, y'all, and uh, uh, if I'm not looking directly at the camera, just know that I'm looking at chat and looking at the website and looking at a bunch of stuff. So um, hopefully you are out there and listening to this via either the podcast or YouTube or here on Twitch, uh, and then you say to yourself, man, I really want to get there at 9 p.m. Eastern every day and start chatting about the news the stuff even that you have found either on hometown or otherwise if you find something somewhere let us know you can send an email to mayor at hometown.com i'll parse it um, we are working on a solution where you can submit your own articles it'll still get vetted through an admin but uh, we are here to discuss the news so you want to get into it what do you think uh sounds like a plan is that why we're here i think it is are you here for that i'm here for that uh, that's why i'm here are you a technosaur <laughs> maybe um i'm not sure i am i'm probably supposed to be so what is a technosaur? So here in uh, a channel called Dictionnaire, which is basically to highlight words and phrases and how they impact business uh, and society. Um, I am going to start pulling in words um, as part of the Dictionnaire channel. It's one of the shows that we're trying to spin up. It's one of 50 shows. Um, in this particular instance, it would be a series of words and phrases that we talk about for an hour each week it's just a once a week show if you are a wordsmith uh, i once was that was one of the things that i was uh, known for in uh, my business which was um the the service was literally titled dictioneering so um if you are interested in wordsmithing with me or solo get in touch with me um, i'm looking for a host so once a week, one hour a week, or as long as you want to do it. But um, it's basically a contract for a one show a week 
kind of a thing. So get in touch. But what is a technosaur? Did you know that there was a dinosaur that actually could speak? I did not. And I assumed the definition meant something other than what it means. Do you know what that dinosaur was that could speak? No. A thesaurus. Techno. Oh. <laughs> I should have known that. <laughs> so um, a technosaur is a person who shows no proficiency in the use of information technology. From techno for technological and technology and SAR for dinosaur, um, a person who is unable to adapt to change. That is a that that isn't necessarily the meaning of dinosaur, but it is a, it's something that's been tacked on to dinosaur because dinosaur, I believe, means angry lizard. I think that's the actual original term. But anyway, that's maybe I'm wrong about that. <clears throat> I'll have to look. Um, so this article that it's not really an it's it is and it isn't it's basically a dictionary page but it's um from a website that i love going to for etymology and historical record of words and it's called wordhistories.net um this was recently posted there i don't have uh, i guess pascal tregauer is the author of this um i don't normally uh even pull this into the stream but uh it's a lot of fun uh <laughs> i love going through this stuff and i just haven't ever uh, done it but this is this is actually used in the figurative sense of a person who's unable to adapt to change dinosaur you know you look at somebody and and they refuse to change they're a dinosaur you might call it blurt out oh, you're a dinosaur Sometimes people embrace that stuff. Um, let me, you know, I have poor impulse control, so I need to. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah. Um, horrible or fearful lizard is what dinosaur literally means. Like when you put it together anyway um so they have little breakouts as how you can use it right from some days just exist to remind us our age by jeff jordan published in the modesto b aging days i call them they're happening with greater frequency those little reminders that the world is an ever-changing place and technosaurs like me can only hang on for the ride yeah. Don't be a technosaur. Stay with the times. Learn new skills. It'll do you some good. And you'll be able to change the time on the VHS or on your I'm computer. not sure. That's pretty challenging. If you can find a VHS player... Actually, I need one because I need to convert some VHS tapes to digital since they've been sitting in storage so long. That in film, I, I found um, a uh, a cache or cachet of actual film. And you take it somewhere and, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those are pictures of me and my gold thong dancing 
at the club. No? Too much information. All right. Well, let's move on then. <laughs> That's too much. But what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and Rounders Gear is the channel that we talk about table gaming, like Vegas games, right? Well, Las Vegas ranks 65th on the best run cities list and San Francisco ranks last. We actually ended our show yesterday with this in tow at the end there. Las Vegas, the casino hub of the U.S., ranked 65th out of 149 metropolitan locations on Wallet Hub's recently revealed list of the best and worst run American cities. Now, I'm sure people have their personal perspectives of this, and I won't yuck your yum if you think that San Francisco sucks and Las Vegas is awesome. Um, but I don't go to San Francisco for gambling, and the only thing I do in Las Vegas is gamble, so I don't go to Las Vegas all that much. Actually, I haven't been there in I don't know how long, but I might want to go to a con there at some point. Um, so let's see, not much correlation between casinos, according to wallet hub rankings in the terms of concentration of casinos, Las Vegas is the undisputed king, but the trait doesn't appear to affect cities scores on wallet hubs list one way or the other. When it comes to proximity to a large number of gaming venues, the Louisiana capital of Baton Rouge ranked 18th while St. Petersburg, which is near the Hard Rock Casino, a hotel and casino, the largest such venue in Florida placed 38th. Sin City's wallet up ranking isn't stellar, but it's not dreadful either. Plus, Las Vegas scored significantly better than a variety of famous cities. Those include Los Angeles, 128th, Baltimore, 132, Philadelphia, 134, Chicago, 138, Detroit, 140, and Gulfport, 144. So I'm kind of curious, it says, how do we measure? So uh, this is how they measure it. How do y'all measure this? But we do, uh, but how do we measure the effectiveness of local leadership? One way is by determining a city's operating efficiency. In other words, we can learn how well a city, how well city officials manage and spend public funds by comparing the quality of services residents receive against the city's total budget, according to WalletHub. So apparently that's what they did quality of city services and per capita budget in its rankings. That were the two primary categories. So that's interesting to me because a city like Las Vegas probably has a lot of revenue coming in. Right. Uh, because of all the gambling. So maybe they're able to offer more services. See, I wonder if it's much more simple in a casino based economy um and and maybe um uh, uh what tourist type of economy whereas um business is the primary probably i think the the primary taxable income there short of you know residents basically just property taxes and stuff like that right so Let's say, let's take San Francisco because they're using both of these. Las Vegas, though, <coughs> do they have the ability to write down all of their taxes to the point where it's zero? 
and they get bonuses from the city and state and federal government. Whereas a business in San Francisco, because it's either tech or something, they might be getting grants. They might be getting local and state and federal tax write-offs or you know, some type of a perk. And then the burden for operating might be higher so they can write down things more. And eventually they don't pay any taxes at all because let's say they do stuff online, all kinds of creative accounting. I mean, it's spectacular how much, how little apparently big businesses online pay. And they could be housed in places like San Francisco, although most of them end up over in Delaware. Because they have, apparently, they have an extremely efficient business process portal. So, um, I think it's interesting, but let me uh, throw this into the chat. So, if anybody's in chat, they can follow that link. Uh, but let's go over to the source. And this is why we know about, this is why it's being compared and highlighting Las Vegas. It's casino.org. Um, and uh, a, a lot of the article was actually in the snippet, so I won't go over all of it, but um, it says in terms of concentration of casinos, Las Vegas is the undisputed king. But it's still 38th. Is it really that much more efficient? So does it say what number one is? Yes, it did. Uh, Nampa, Idaho. Oh, I saw that. That's right. There it is placed on uh, Nampa, Idaho, placed on the first. That's why I missed it, because of the way that it was written. I heard, I saw the name, but Western cities were well represented in the top 10 with six, including Nampa. What in the world is Nampa, Idaho? I've never even heard of it. I, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that you don't hear about, you know, but there's a, a city called Toadsuck, and... <laughs> and a bunch of others, right? But I've never heard of Nampa. Maybe it should. Maybe well, I that's haven't. interesting too because um, they're ranking, for instance, places like Los Angeles against Nampa, which I'm assuming has much smaller population. You know, Nampa has 106,000 people in it. Higher than expected, but again, not in the same sphere as some of the other cities listed. That was the population of my hometown 40 years ago. So, okay, I suppose, I suppose it's, it gets more complicated and less efficient the bigger it is because you need more people doing more stuff in a more convoluted way with more checks and balances. You can't be you know, per se efficient, you have to be just effective and it's not necessarily highly efficient. It's interesting. I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to noodle around with these things, uh, but they have a link to the uh, quality of city services. Um, but it links to Las Vegas health department closes planet Hollywood pools. So I'm not quite sure if that's the source that, they're really supposed to be going for. Yeah, I don't know. I guess in this situation, I'm going to say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. 
Meanwhile, we'll move on to the next article, which is in Smack Talk and the crime blotter. I find this one really interesting because I immediately went to, well, they're doing this. Doggone it. They're doing this um, to prevent the phones from being probed by aliens. But stolen iPhone leads to discovery of foil-wrapped phones. In the latest Apple crime blotter, two men went on an Apple store spree with a stolen wallet. Pop star Bebe Rexa was hit with a phone, and iPhone searches may have made the case against a murderer while causing one against an ex-CIA officer to fall apart. So this is kind of a hot mess of crimes. Stephen Silver over at AppleInsider.com put this article together. A man has been arrested in Tennessee after a woman tracked her stolen iPhone to the man's Jeep, in which contained nearly 20 other phones wrapped in aluminum foil. It's because they didn't want to be probed by aliens. It's not that they were stolen. That's where my head went. Anyway, according to WSVN, the arrested man was a 54-year-old from Miami who is suspected as of being part of an organized cell phone theft operation. The man who was caught on surveillance cameras has been charged with two counts of felony theft and one count of misdemeanor theft. But they had 20 phones. It might be because of the value. Interesting. Because I was going felony theft, but when you start thinking of the price of iPhones... Yeah, I mean, if they were all iPhones, then you're looking at $1,000 per. Two men uh, wanted for stealing a wallet and going on an Apple store spree. This happened in Lancaster. City Bureau of uh, Police in Pennsylvania looking for two men who they say robbed a woman of her wallet and then used her credit cards for a $7,000 spending spree. Yeah. Hello, crazy cat lady. Yep, even Galaxy phones are over $1,000 an hour. Sure. Those flagship phones, easy peasy, a thousand bucks nowadays. Um, I've actually gotten to the point where, I don't know, I just can't justify spending a thousand bucks on a phone. Um, yeah, so Baby Rexa was hit by a phone during a New York concert. Was hit in the face with a smartphone that was thrown at her during a performance in New York City on June 18th. Interesting. Absolutely great show ruined by a fan throwing their phone at Baby Rexa. Hopefully she's okay. We don't have the pick, but that's okay. Yeah. I'm assuming that it was an iPhone. It says it's not clear whether the phone that hit Rexa was an iPhone or another model, and that's actually been a subject of some consternation in some online spaces, you know, because you have to have an opinion about pegging somebody in the head with a phone. Right, and maybe the key is that she got hit in the head. Yeah, the takeaway is. Um, and um, a CIA officer accused of abuse may fall apart due to a botched execution of a search warrant for iPhone seizures. Yeah, this is why we can't have nice things, folks. But there's a bunch of stuff over here at this crime blotter that Stephen Silver puts together. So definitely follow that link through hometown and go check it out. There's more there, uh, but 
I just wanted to tease you with some of these article headlines. So I don't know, this is a regular feature I've noticed on um, Apple Insider, and it makes me wonder either, are there so many Apple products out there, and that's why they can have this, or are Apple products so targeted? (laughs) But I mean, they always have content for this. I don't know if it runs once a week or what, but... Yeah, well, we'll have to take a look at it and see. Yeah, but apparently, well, I mean, that one little section within this article, they don't know if it was an iPhone or not, but a fireman accused of stealing credit cards from dead man buying AirPods. I mean, for crying out loud, iPhone uses evidence against a teenager. Stolen iPad leads to busting of New Jersey burglary ring. (laughs) You'd think that at this point, people would just go, we're not going to touch an iPhone because of its tracking capabilities, which also is really, it kind of flies in the face of, we really appreciate security and your privacy. Meanwhile, you know, it knows what you had for breakfast simply because it was sitting on your coffee table when you woke up this morning. It's not that sophisticated, but we're getting there. Let's move on to the next article. (laughs) So we've been here before. Everything old is new again. This is an hometown daily. A European jet startup wants to fly people from New York to London in 90 minutes using a hypersonic jet. Let's take a look inside. I love Business Insider. They always do this kind of stuff. European startup Destinus is uh, designing a series of ultra speedy aircraft capable of reaching Mach 5 liquid nitrogen combined with jet and rocket engines will allow the plane to cruise at 108,000 feet. Model Destinus S and Destinus L could connect cities like New York and London in just 90 minutes. So, okay, I mean, that sounds appealing, but we've been, I guess here we're before. not there yet. Yeah, I mean, it's on the way. Let's say it's on the way. Let's just assume it's on the way. But we've been there before, and the reason why the Concorde couldn't cut it was operating costs were just too damn high. So you could still take a Concorde if one was available, but you have to be filthy rich, which makes it an unviable. It's not a viable solution at any strata because it would be few and far between when it's available. And you'd be paying an exorbitant amount of money and you need only the right run runways will make it possible. So it's going to be flying fast. And when it comes in, it'll be hot. So it'll have to have a longer runway unless there's some miraculous technology that they're going to have. So let's go over to the Apple insider and Taylor Rains and Pete Sim might be Sime. Is that it? Come on. You can't tell me this isn't going to be alien. It does look a bit like a UFO or a UAP. Oh, UAP. That's right. Oh, wow. Look at that. You're getting hip with the lingo. So Destinus is designing a series of ultra speedy aircraft capable of reaching Mach 5, flying at 108,000 feet and getting from New York to London in 90 minutes. But none of it, it's just rendered. This is what it's going to kind of look like. So only two years old, SNS has big ambitions for commercial hypersonic flight, which means flying at five times the speed of sound. At Mach 5, no one can hear you scream. 
I guess that's another one right there. More and more looks like a UFO to me. The company's revolutionary project is Destinus S, a 25-seater business jet that can fly up to 10,000 kilometers and cruise up to 33 kilometers. All right. I don't know what's going on over here, but... Sorry, there's a bit... I can't stop this video. Every time I click it, it keeps on playing. Sorry, I'm distracted like a cat. 20 miles translates to about 108,000 feet, meaning the jet will soar more than 60,000 feet higher than current airliners. Yeah, I mean, it gets up into that thin atmosphere and just kind of toddles around to the other side of the planet and then drops back from orbit. For crying out loud, it's going to be so expensive. That's the only thing that I can think of. How much is this thing going to cost? The other aircraft will have the same cruise altitude, but travel up to 22,000 kilometers and carry 300 to 400 people. Thick. And then uh, they're saying that they're gonna start deliveries between 2032 and 2035 with the Destinus L coming in 2040s, putting both behind Boom's 2029 timeline, which apparently is another supersonic jet company. Yeah, I don't know. We've been here before. It'll flame out. I mean, operationally. It, uh, not that there's going to be an accident or anything. I'm just saying that it's just, I don't think it's economically viable uh, unless it's solely for the ultra rich which apparently seems to be pretty popular. Luxury goods, as they are, continue to be highly profitable in the face of inflation. Because people with money make more money than they spend, apparently. Whereas everybody else just kind of ekes by. Right, I mean, everybody should make more than they spend, but I don't think that's how people operate. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, it's really tough to actually do that with food getting more expensive and uh, rent being more expensive and mortgage and student loans coming up and all kinds of stuff. So at any rate, um, if you want to fly somewhere and you want to get there in 90 minutes, all you have to do is wait a decade and you'll be there. So uh, the next article is over in hometown daily. We've reached peak tech bro with billionaires suggesting cage flights and cage flights, <laughs> cage fights. And that's because of the super hypersonic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So cage fights and bench press contests earlier this week, Elon Musk challenged Mark Zuckerberg to a cage match, which society loses, but also wins um, because hopefully it'll be just put on YouTube or something. Um, on Thursday, Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky said he'd challenge any tech exec to a bench press contest. It's a sign that top Silicon Valley executives are way too freaking bored. Oh, that's not what the article says. Are embracing a new era of tech bro. <laughs> Gone are the days of quiet, nerdy tech CEOs. They've entered a new era. They're assuming their final form, which is apparently dipshit. Um, 
executives are getting shredded now. They're ripping edgy jokes and apparently duking it out. Grace K over at businessinsider.com put this article together. I swear to God, lizard boy. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's see. It's a sign that top Silicon Valley executives are embracing a new era of the tech bro. No, it's because they have so much money that they become disengaged from society and start edging towards just overt sociopathy. You know, so, I don't think the tech bro is what we need as a society. <laughs> I mean, haven't tech companies come under fire for all number of things that might be associated with this mentality? Oh, yeah. The article actually talks about it. Some have also stepped in to offer to train Musk, including tech podcast host Lex Fridman and ex-pro kickboxer Andrew Tate, who was recently charged with, well, I don't even want to say it out loud. Anyway, Tate has denied the allegations. Um, overall, the tech community appears to be cheering on the prospect of a physical matchup between two of the most powerful men in the world. Ah, oh, man, I hate that phrase. Society allows them to be, and money is what's empowered them to do this. Yeah, I wish Z was here. She'd say, oh, eat the rich. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think anybody who has billions of dollars and people doing everything for them yeah. could probably win something like a bench press contest. Yeah. Glass Onion is a documentary. So yes. <laughs> uh, even must rival open AI CEO Sam Altman has said that he'd be interested in watching the fight play out. <laughs> I guess it's the tech version of a Russian invasion or wait, no, a Russian uh, contract a military contractor invasion of Russia you know I mean it's you You basically need like a murder board to do the strings the yarn right. and all the pictures <laughs> exactly. and stuff and I don't know who's who anymore but we're going to be the ones that's sitting on the edge of our truck tailgate having a tailgate party eating popcorn and throwing back uh, well, beer. I'll just say beer. Musk and Zuckerberg's posturing is the kind of bro-y behavior that you'd expect from a pair of fraternity brothers, not two middle-aged men at the helm of some of the most prominent tech companies in the world. Though this type of bro-iness in Silicon Valley isn't such a new phenomenon that it hasn't already been given a name. Tech bro has been around for a long time. Throwing back a cold one while they're throwing one at each other's face. Yeah, I'd probably watch that. I wouldn't pay for it. I'd watch it. Just so I can sit there and go, yeah, that's what I expected. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. This is one of those things where they've just they're they're just so bored that this is what they do. Tech Fight Club. You want to go on to the next article? I think so. This article is just, I mean, the headline's funny, but 
the idea of it is just not a good thing. Yeah, they actually talk about and um the the article's title like hints at maybe there could be some humor in here, but it's just taking itself way too serious. So let's move on. This next article is something that I want to see. It's in the Smack Talk channel, Hot Wheels Rift Rally Review, a fun fusion of AR and RC cars. Hot Wheels Rift Rally is a good example of combining physical toys with a mixed reality gameplay component done right, and it's fun for all ages. Um, Hot Wheels has been a staple in the minds of children and car enthusiasts for generations. Children of all ages. <laughs> They've adapted to the times by collaborating with films and video game series to bring fictional cars to life through toys, as well as making Hot Wheels video games since 1984. And this... <laughs> I want this so much. Thomas Sibley over at appleinsider.com put this article together okay so for those who are only watching are only listening via the podcast basically it looks like this is a car that has a camera mount and you're going to be able to drive this thing um remotely but it's like an rc size a little bit well i mean it's the size of a typical adult's hand with a camera and you'll be able to drive it around first person yeah so yeah it's gonna look like you're driving the car right yeah except everybody you're at scale yeah and and the people in your basement are watching you race around in your basement so i'm gonna love this and i'm totally gonna get this so Rift Rally is the latest in a long line of Hot Wheels video games, but it is the first to include mixed reality as a main feature. Players create their own racetrack using the four provided Rift gates that serve as checkpoints through a race and use the Chameleon RC car to drive. It blends racing game mechanics with remote control cars, producing a unique game experience for people of all ages to enjoy. So, okay, this sounds really fun. I mean, this sounds like something different. Yeah, yeah, I guess you just plop those rift gates down and you can go racing. See, now, what I haven't confirmed is that do you drive these through with your with your um, phone or what? what is it that you're actually driving around? Because it doesn't say yet, right? Have I missed it? Um, I thought you went past it. Let me, let me scroll up again so we can see. It's it's a game, right? 1080p camera. Oh, I thought on the front. it had some information there, but I guess not. Setup on both iPhone and PS5 is remarkably easy. The game guides you through getting the chameleon car ready, as well as placing the rift gates around to create a playable racetrack. The chameleon has a 1080p camera on the front for a third-person driving gameplay and it's and to scan its surroundings to identify rift gates. It says two hours before having to charge it because it's a rally it's only one car you're not competing against other people um it takes two to three hours to charge recharge from zero so we recommend keeping the car on the charger when you're not playing yeah this sounds like fun 
but again, it is a rally. So, yeah, it looks like um, Crazy Cat Lady asks, uh, it is only for iPhone and PS5 question mark. And it appears to be, that's what it says in the article, but it, it would have to be capable of, I mean, if it's capable of being on the iPhone, then it's capable of being on any mobile device. Well, and also this article is Apple from Insider. Apple, so they're probably focusing on that. That doesn't mean it's not available elsewhere. Yeah, but it's not like them to not to, to I mean, it's not like them to leave it off. So it says we we put Rift Rally closer to the Mario Kart side of the racing game spectrum instead of being similar to a game like Forza. Your car has a unique ability and you often must dodge different obstacles or projectiles fired at you during a race. They think it, uh, creativity goes a long way for the game, which is another reason why it appeals so well to younger audiences. We recommend using iPhone version for short races, but if you're sitting down for a longer gaming session, definitely use the PS5 version if you're able. Yeah, now I'm curious. I'm going to have to go looking into this thing. It says uh, Hot Wheels Rift Rally is available on both Amazon and Rift Rally's website. Um, the standard edition is 129 and the collector's is 149 I Might as well go with the collector's edition at that price. 20 bucks different. Let me make sure that I've... What is the last? Oh my goodness. Marijuana, you suck at putting the articles into chat. That's not the one that we just talked about. Nor is this one. So the one in Amazon says for PS4 slash 5, iPhone, iPad. Oh, so it is limited to those. Well, that kind of sucks. I mean, why would you want to do that? Why not make it so that all of them can more, more people, everybody. I mean, you got pretty much 100% of the market if you've got iPhone and Android, at least. Huh, that's goofy. Well... I would push that from 3.5 down to 2 simply because of that limit. That's entirely self-limited. It has to either be... Well, it has to be... Uh, it has to be a technical limitation. Like, they can't put everything that they need on their chip right now. Uh, but I can't imagine that's really what's going on. It's weird. Okay, let's um, let's go on to the next um, because there isn't really much more for that. Um, I had to talk about this. This is in the Mobile Channel. Street racing in Nissan Leaf. EV enthusiast pushes Texans to go electric. Says broke folks can drive electric cars. Says one Waco EV. I was gonna say Waco, but it's Waco. Um, EV enthusiast. Who is trying to spread the message across Texas, one combustion engine at a time. Good luck. I guess their name is Gene Whalen over at the Washington Post. Um, Crazy Cat Lady says, or have two versions, an Apple and an Android. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be. Uh, well, it, it's always two different apps, really. I mean, you, you make one for Android and you make one for... Uh, Apple. I mean, it's just that's what you do. Um, even if it's uh, just a 
pull back to that other article, if you're going to develop it and you have, you develop it in a language that has the ability to do both languages, it's still two separate ports. Um, but you can have one core source and then it, it breaks out into two when you compile it for one platform or the other. Um, so, uh, Teresa Porter pulled up in her, uh, to a red light and turned her eye, the crimson pickup truck to her right, her silver fingernails gripping the steering wheel. Her foot sank hard into the brake, ready to pounce on the accelerator. He came to play. She muttered, turning back to face the road, her brow furrowed under a mop of curly hair. Little John's get low pumped from her speakers. Is that? That is Teresa Porter. <laughs> All right. Not um, what I would envision for a street racer. But and uh, Nissan Leaf would not be the one that I... I wouldn't. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, when the light turned green, the pickup roared to life and peeled out with a screech, but it was no match for Porter, who quickly sprinted to the lead, smoked him off the line, she said later of her victory. The most unusual thing about this short... One block drag race, Porter's car was silent. The winning vehicle was electric, a Nissan Leaf. But has it been hacked or something to allow her to accelerate faster than... Hmm, interesting. So, like, it's pretty typical for a combustion engine to beat an EV, um, but not necessarily immediately off the start because it doesn't have to spool up anything. You just hit the accelerator and go. But 0 to 60, you're still looking at you know, five plus seconds. It's interesting. Okay, so they say that uh, they've proven that broke folks can drive electric cars, Porter says, and she's trying to spread the message across Texas, one combustion engine at a time. Her electric awakening began after some of her professional car racing heroes embraced EVs for the, their instant acceleration. It was also inspired by her grandfather, um, a nature lover whose respect for the land came flooding back to Porter a few years ago after she read several books about climate change. Hello, Toll. Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, so it says Porter's electric prophecy is lonely work in this Republican bastion in the heart of Texas where pickups rain and charging infrastructure is sparse. Some people laugh at her. Haters, she calls them. Many, particularly in the gearhead community, cling to their rumbling internal combustion engine or ICE vehicles. Yep. But hey, gas will eventually become uh, so pricey that you have to sh switch. And that's really the, the people that uh, I've interacted with over the decades now of peak oil um, have been saying that, well, eventually oil's going to run out, but it's going to happen long after I think we, uh, have met our end. Um, but at some point we're really going to have to shift to something else. And I, I just don't think EVs are even ready for prime time in 10 years. It's just not going to happen. Not until we get past the problem with batteries. Um, Anyway, on a trip down, uh, on a trip to town at the grocery store, someone stopped her 
in the pet food aisle and said, hey, you're the electric car lady, right? They chatted for 20 minutes about the costs and benefits of EVs before someone else quizzed her near the ice cream freezer. Yeah, this is always interesting when you become known as something and uh, you can't go anywhere without people saying, hey. Um, but this, you know, I can imagine if you keep riding this wave, you might be able to be the voice of uh, EV conversion. Uh, so Toll says in, in chat, the problem with pure EVs and the argument about gas prices is that utility prices are going up, so the price to charge goes up, and on average, the pure EV version of a car is more expensive with the rationale of, well, you save on gas. Yeah. Yep, that's true too. And once we shift away from oil um, and gas as the knock-on effect, right? We get away from gas, we switch to electric. Unless you're going to be hopping every two hours or so from one place to another, you can't go further than 125 miles without the blind fear like somebody cast a spell on you and you have to run away from the wizard that cast it there you don't have fast chargers that get you in and out of a location in five minutes we need fast swap battery technology and that's just not going to happen it would lower the price of a car dramatically ten thousand dollars i would say if you don't own the battery and you basically subscribe for the duration of its ownership to a fast swap service, um, you basically pay into a, a fund that allows you to drive anywhere to any fast swap battery station and swap out your battery. They maintain it and they get government kickbacks and whatever else. Um, you, you know, the world comes up with, I, I can go into greater detail about it, but, um, EVs suffer from the fact that you have to go to a bay, sit there for upwards of two plus hours, literally picking your nose because you have nothing else to do and you're not going to sit there and go and eat somewhere or drink somewhere every two hours. Um, uh, okay, so uh, Toll says in chat, modern EVs have extended ranges of 360 to 400 miles in some cases, but again, as you allude to, quick charge is 30 minutes if there is a charging station within you 360 to 400 miles. Except that has a whole, there is so much flexibility in that, that heat plays a part in it, cold plays a part in it, weather conditions in general, the angle of attack on the road. I mean, you drive up a hill, you have too much weight. The quality of the battery over time declines. It's and it pales in comparison to internal combustion engines in terms of um, that degradation. Within 10 years, you've got zero charge on your battery and you have to pay another $7,500 to $15,000 to replace that battery and the downtime if that tech is still around at that time. So, yeah. Um, and... It really depends. Um, we've done articles. We've talked about articles and services because uh, Toll follows up with uh, recharge stations will have to be three to four times the size of gas stations. Um, there is in the beginning, they'll probably be larger, but as the just like gas stations did before, um, they, they weren't always um, multi station, etc. They had a larger footprint, um, but 
as technology evolves it'll get smaller and even more efficient but yeah i mean in the beginning of anything it's always going to be kludgy um my my problem is that the the only time you're going to get a quick charge is if it's the top end of the technology um and there aren't as many of those fast chargers out there so yeah in time it'll happen but yeah and then uh toll also follows up with now imagine the ev tractor trailer they have a range of 360 miles the e cascadia specifically at a max weight of 60 or 80,000, um which isn't the end of the world because fmcsa requires frequent brakes for drivers well yeah that might be the saving grace um now imagine how long those batteries are going to be to take a charge yep yeah i get it i mean we can kind of make ourselves cope with it. Um, but in terms of adoption, I can't imagine the bulk of society ever sitting for 30, 45 minutes waiting for a battery to charge. If I mean, people are going to lose their freaking mind if they have to sit around uh, waiting for their battery to charge. So, I mean, people but, can't even wait for something for 30 seconds. I don't think uh, <laughs> they're ready oh, yeah. for that. A microwave takes too long. So Right. Um, but this is great. I mean, I, I kind of dig the whole messenger thing. Um, I just don't think, uh, and, I, and I'm not really trying to yuck anybody's yum. I want an electric vehicle. I've had it priced out to put a transformer in front of uh what do you uh the the mayor's house i'll say that <laughs> um but they want something like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to be able to put a fast charger uh in the garage and uh let's just say it, that's not going to happen um and even then it's just a massive amount of time to just wait for your car to your car um and <laughs> what happens if you want to do something randomly and just drive out into the mountains and you happen to go 50 miles too far and you can't get your ass back to a charging station? I mean, it's unbelievably precarious to be driving an electric vehicle and you don't know if the hill will allow you to coast down into the gas station. Oh, charging station. Pardon me. But again, I'm not trying to poo-poo EVs. What I'm trying to do is make it so that the developers of this tech realize that it isn't about just being an EV. It's about being able to switch from internal combustion to an EV and not have to suffer because of a billionaire's fever dream. We need the right technology now and we know what it is. We know that fast swap battery tech would solve the problem of people not adopting it and having to worry about charging. They drive to a gas station. The gas station is now an EV fast swap battery station. It has bays. You park your car in there. It reaches up from underneath your car and grabs the battery and puts a new battery in and off you go five minutes. That's what it needs to be. Um, so 
Tulsa is an, uh, um, we're probably going to see mass acceptance of EVs as an inductive charging system that runs for like a one mile stretch that'll charge. Yeah, that, that would be great. So it's in the road and as you drive, it's charging you. That would be wonderful. Um, some university have been working on that technology. Yep, absolutely. Transportation tech, um, you raised an interest in that you may want to look at a diesel electric power unit similar to how a diesel submarine works. Yes. Um, and that hybrid tech is actually where I'm more, if I was going to switch to EV, I would probably switch to hybrid. Um, but they tend to be rather gutless. Um, that's not to say that you can't throw some more money at a higher end device, but um, this is great. Um, but let's, let's, um, let's hope, sorry for the dead air. Let's hope that um, that, that fast swap battery tech uh, will come into vogue and if you look back, if you do a search on Ometown for, um, I think it's fast swap battery, um, you'll pull up previous shows, you'll pull up articles. Um, I, I'm just not prepared for all of that kind of stuff right here. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely out there and we've uh, watched videos on it. So here, let's go on to the next article. And uh, this next one is actually going to be, the next couple is going to be pretty quick. So Tabletop Nights uh, is where this is housed. RP Gamer Roundup for June 18th to the 25th. So the last week, but it was published um, this afternoon. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and we'll just go through it really quick because um, Alex Fuller over at RPGamer.com put the article together and there's a bunch of stuff. So... Um, my asthma chronicles review is discussed and, and people are actually having a lot of fun with, um, the, my asthma chronicles demo. There was a demo for it. Uh, final fantasy 16 demo impression. They put an article together for, but people have been playing, um, final Fan fantasy 16 into the ground and everybody is comparing it to game of thrones. Um, just to bounce back for a moment, Toll says, I think one of the problems with fast swap battery is similar to the problems with uh, electric RCs have. Each manufacturer has a different connector for their batteries. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we've mentioned in previous uh, shows, which basically amounts to we need to standardize. And we've done that with a lot of automotive technology. Um, and it should apply to it's typically interconnections. So if we design around proprietary technology, but then have an interconnect that's standardized, which is what actually a lot of EVs have, they have a connector that allows you to connect to Tesla superchargers. As long as you bring the adapter, then you're good to go and, and plug into a Tesla supercharger and you pay a different rate um, than if you're a Tesla uh, owner. But you still have the ability to use it. In fact, I think it's Ford and Toyota have already agreed to use Tesla charging stations. Um, in uh, There was an agreement with Tesla that was just announced in coordination with the U.S. government. Um, I'm sure there's tons of money that's being thrown at Tesla to facilitate this. Um, 
But back to the RP Gamer um, article, uh, they've got major news listed here from Star Ocean, Super Mario RPG uh, Remake announced, which is actually going to be a blast. Um, we saw demos of that during demo days. Um, let's see what else. Dragon Quest Monsters. There's a bunch of stuff. I mean, they have so much. And we started here in Hometown to kind of consolidate this news. Um, but uh, a lot of it comes from a select few uh, real producers of this news. And so we just decided that it would be better to do, or I should say, Mayor Watt decided that it was going to be a little more prudent to just highlight them and then throw you at them. So let's do exactly that. Um, this is the link to uh, RP Gamer. Um, our next article, though, is kind of the same sort of thing i mean actually it's not this one it's later on um although i might have nixed it now that i'm thinking about it huh, i don't know this next article is uh, in, in the tabletop nights channel star trek online 2023 summer event rewards lower decks renfair type ship if you have never watched Lower Decks and you're into Star Trek, then it's a shame. You really need to just go back and start watching the beginning of Lower Decks. It's animated. Um, and I I don't really follow animated shows um, unless they're like animation, you know, Gundams and stuff like that. Um, Toll asks if uh, we've ever played Star Trek online. Yes. Um, I like it, but um, I... I can't play Star Trek online like long term. <laughs> Don't know why it's good in little fits and starts, but um, so this thing is the Hyperion battle cruiser. Say huzzah is what the article says. It's over at RPG site is uh, where it's housed. Josh Tolentino is the author of this, and it says Star Trek Online developer Cryptic will kick off the game's annual summer seasonal event on June 28th, 2023. The celebration will offer players mini games, activities, and the chance to earn various prizes, including unique items patterned after canonical Star Trek series. This year's offerings includes gear sets based on Star Trek Strange New Worlds and a, play, a unique playable starship based on the animated series Star Trek Lower Decks. So, um, yeah, so what, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, how, how, I, I want to be efficient with how to describe this, but essentially one of the characters, and I don't want to ruin anything, you'll have to just watch lower decks but one of the alert button yeah. ready <laughs> uh, yeah i gotta put like spoiler alert up. but if you even read this you'll probably get spoiled but basically the what's going to happen during this event is that it's going to highlight that a character in lower decks is actually royalty and there is a battle cruiser called the hyperion intel battle cruiser um that is that is from Hyperion, which is the planet that this person is actually a prince of and mom shows up and there's interaction and stuff like that um but hysteria is um built around renfair type activities 
like it's all Ren Fair style. So there's all of that pomp and circumstance, but there's no, at least not that I recall. I don't think that they've gone into that world building like conflict or anything like medieval times, but it's medieval times like the restaurant medieval times, not medieval times we're running around, you know, hitting people with battle axes and stuff like that. Um, so you'll be able to play games and do things. You'll earn credits that you can convert into getting this ship. And then you have that ship and you can actually play it, but you're going to be spending time on Ryza, which is the vacation planet that is very well known in Star Trek. And, uh, this is the, probably the thing because of lower decks, this is the thing that'll get me playing this game again. So yeah. Um, so Toll says same, same with Neverwinter. Uh, they have changed too much from when uh, Toll first played. Sounds like an excuse to do STO Neverwinter crossover. I would not be surprised if all it takes is something to get momentum go viral and they can pivot it over. It's like Lego, right? Lego is now public domain. Anybody can make Lego, but what you can't do is make like Star Trek Lego because you need the license. Lego has the the Gramba to actually do that. Not everybody can do that. You can 3D print your own Lego right now. You can manufacture Lego all on your own. You just can't call it Lego because it's a trademark and you can make everything that they make, probably not to their quality control standards. But like I said, you know, you can't you got to get those partnerships and that's what sets them apart. And now you can't do anything Lego and like Star Trek because they've got that deal. A little it, too bad. Um, so it says here uh, there they can earn daily progress by joining in the various mini games, which include dance contests, jetpack and hoverboard races, and even scavenger hunts involving the rising Jamaharan statues, which are these weird humanoid statues with like a bulbous something on top. I, I don't know. I don't even want to click that link because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Um, so, but follow the link and, and go and check it out. Tulsa says, I mean, uh, the best part about Star Trek canon is that all you have to do is introduce a new primitive planet and the prime directive means you have to resort to their tech. Didn't we talk about this? Um, oh no, it's the latest episode of Strange New Worlds. You'll want to watch the latest. That's right. I was <laughs> like, I've heard that recently, but I can't think of where. <laughs> I, 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 I want to talk about Strange New Worlds episodes. It's, it's one of the things that I want to do. Like all of these, the continuity report is just so wanting of doing this talk about these shows but dmca man i i know i think i know how we can we can do it but uh, we would have to try it so maybe the ai can i uh, can work with me on this but uh, i'll do some digging around and see if i can if this is, my idea is even viable but the prime directive doesn't necessarily mean anything. <laughs> uh, I love it. And I always make that comment. I'm like, come on. 
they have violated the prime directive so many times it's basically you know swiss cheese if there's so many holes in it they can just meh it doesn't matter eh. prime directive but go and watch strange new worlds you'll you'll love the latest episode okay let's go on to the next article uh, this article is actually kind of uh, one that uh, triggers me, so a little bit of warning. I'll try not to soapbox. Um, we actually have a kind of short day, so um, I don't know um, what we'll end up doing, but we'll see. You haven't watched... Uh, Tulsa's they haven't watched uh, Star Trek since uh, Deep Space Nine. Well, you're missing out. Huh? How do you ban someone? Is where? Huh? I'll figure it out later. Okay. Um, so it's only a matter of time before AI chatbots are teaching in primary schools. This actually kind of triggered me because uh, what I do is I talk to a lot of people. Um, the age range uh, runs from grade school, primary school. Um, high school, college, businesses, public, <laughs> standing in line at a movie theater, waiting for the show to start, and uh, people start asking questions and tra-la-la. But one of the things that I talk about is this the crossroads of business, technology, and society. And one of the things that I discuss is where do you think tech can't invade and uh, I ask the public this regularly. Where, where, what do you think is immune to technology impacting it greatly, like taking over? And normally in the decade plus that I've been asking this question, um, nobody has gotten to, nobody has said what, I use as the sole thing that cannot be penetrated by technology. Um, so Toll says after watching uh, their kids suffer through all levels of primary education with remote learning and automated uh, education programs. So absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and now here you'll really I think that you'll appreciate my perspective of this Toll. So it says no offense to the present company but ai doesn't have the life experience to teach young minds you hear that ai you hear that AI? i hear that but i would agree so ai is clinical and built off of the programming and experience of the information that's injected into it so no i don't think that it's going to be teaching in primary schools anytime not teaching it'll be doing something but only in the auspices of the primary teaching instructors allowance but i don't think that it's possible for technology to teach humans how to be human it can teach them how to be a sociopath or a psychopath because there's no anima there's no humanity there there's no human to human interaction or energy connection bond there's nothing to show young minds 
how to think and feel like a, a holistic human being. And that's the only way you pump out people uh, from academia where they look at other people and they see a human and not just chattel, not just something to own, control, hire for a certain duration in the gig economy and then punt them out without any uh, understanding that they're releasing a human into the wild after contracting them for X amount of time. I think more humans need to feel bad about uh, kind of thinking of other humans as nothing more than an object to interact with for a short bit of time. Maybe we wouldn't have the issues that we have if more people felt about other people, not just looked at them as objects. So... I don't think that AI chatbots teach anything. They provide instruction, but there's a human that's going to have to teach that instruction. You know, a, a recipe is not teaching. A recipe is a set of instructions. Teaching ingrains those instructions in somebody and when there is something that the person doesn't truly understand about the instruction set teaching is explaining that more complex or um, more subtle nuanced bit of data into information so that they can act on it um, so Tull says that they received numerous compliments on how they taught and how um, much their students and junior sailors learned from and the majority of it because their delivery was flexible and tailorable to their audience yes um something and, that would not be present with ai <laughs> yep it would be much more clinical kind of like being in a room that's all aluminum with a drain in the middle and everything gets washed at once when all it really needs is just one little dab of water right there it's it's too clinical it's too aesthetic you know or uh, not aesthetic astringent it's just it's just it's just gross to have ai chatbots interacting with kids when it needs to be a human when i think it's it's bad all around for teaching purposes but i think it's really problematic at that level because that's where kids are starting to form impressions of everything and a strong teacher can make or break really a kid's existence right yeah so this article titled it's only a matter of time before ai chatbots are teaching in primary school is written by michaela cohen and uh, provided by cnbc.com now, they have these three key points, so let's talk about this, because Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates saying generative AI chatbots can teach kids to read in 18 months rather than years. So can, an, uh, uh, so can a human parent <laughs> interacting with their kid. That's what's actually more required. Um, artificial intelligence is beginning to prove that it can accelerate the impact teachers have on students and help solve a stubborn teacher shortage. That's because it's learning from teachers on how to teach, but it can't teach anything that's off the rails of what the 
programmatic construct allows. Anytime a, a student asks something that deviates from standard, it's going to punch out bullshit to the student. And we know that because here, let me, I'm going to scroll down. Here we go. This is the direct quote on ChatGPT, which is the technology that would be used that Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates is saying would be used to teach kids how to read. This is the statement that they put at the bottom of their page all the time now. ChatGPT may produce inaccurate information about people, places, or facts. Yeah, not a good foundation for teaching. You know, the other thing is like teaching is way beyond academic, right? There's right. such a large, what I would call emotional or social um, piece of it. How does the AI respond when the kid gets upset or whatever it, it is, or is confused, etc.? It can't. That's because there's going to be a human at the front of the room that's sitting there picking their nose until the chat bot is done doing whatever it's been commanded to do. And by that time, well, see, in primary school, they have to jump through all kinds of flaming hoops to make sure that they are tooled up for interacting with those young minds. Um, and so in a quality location, you're going to get somebody that can respond. But um, I think it's pretty typical that AI is going to just spew out garbage when it doesn't have a definitive answer. Um, and that's my fear. And it, you know, it says it's only a matter of time. Well, you know why teachers are bailing from teaching? It isn't because they hate it or that AI is coming for their job. It's because they're not getting paid what they deserve to get paid. You know, teachers are the ones that are setting the foundation for professionals that work out into the leave academia and get into the workforce it isn't the workforce per se we we as employers and employees are put in a position of success by teachers so if the teachers are now an ai the only thing the AI is going to do is just to standardize anything. And if it deviates in any way in terms of questions or some other context is proposed, the AI is going to throw up a bunch of garbage. And it just drives me absolutely nuts to think that people are, are, are proponents of AI chatbots in teaching. If anything, the best case for an AI would be to try and um, nudge a, a, a student out of the, the conceptual jam that they're in, whatever it might be, you know, they can type into the chat bot, you know, I'm really stuck on this. Do you have any ideas how I could solve this problem? And the AI could go, well, have you tried this? But that could be complete BS too, you know? You know, I'm waiting for an AI to sit there and go, well, have you thought about setting the house on fire or something? You know, I mean, it's just, it's just not something that you can trust right now, particularly with kids. And it says it's only a matter of time. I understand that, but 20 years down the line, you're going to have the same exact problem. It's just going to be 20 years more evolved and it's not going to be as capable it's not going to be able to teach kids how to be holistic humans 
It'll have them thinking clinically. Chatbots backed by large language models can help students from primary education to certification programs self-guide through voluminous um, materials and tailor their education to specific learning styles. This has actually been debunked quite a bit, specific learning styles. Um, basically, we need a combination of all of these styles. You know, like visual learner, hands-on learner, book learner. The, the fact is that we need a combination of all of those so that you have the you have it in your eyes you have it in your ears you have it tactical you have it you doing it you doing it with somebody else etc uh, it, it's not just one way to do it um, and we all get a little bit better from doing all of those ai is nothing more than text telling you it's an instruction telling you to do something it's going to be color by number and it's not going to promote critical thinking. Um, so it says AI for routine learning, teachers for personalized lessons, but they just poo pooed that saying that it can do personalized lessons. Um, so is it going to try and actually take anybody's job? I really doubt it. I don't think that anybody wants AI pulling teachers out of this dynamic. It's very dangerous i think um crazy cat lady says and they have to teach to the test yes um and that's yeah i, I mean they do have to teach to the test toll says it's extremely hard to teach um to all of the styles of learners and how would ai be able to do hands-on see it try it do it method yeah they wouldn't be able to Sounds like someone spent too much time watching The Matrix and thinking about the white room. Yeah, I learned, I learned Kung Fu, or I know Kung Fu. Yeah, it's. I don't think that this is a viable solution for academia at the lower levels. When you're in college, then you can use AI because you are an adult that's responsible for your actions and you, uh, professors and advisors will tell you when you're complaining about something or you're doing something, is this the hill you want to die on uh, with your complaint or do you want to just solve the problem and move on? Well, you know, you'll hear from a student saying things like, well, I, I don't know how to do it. And well, that's why you're in school and you've been tasked with an assignment. You have to take that big problem and chop it into little pieces so that you can learn how to solve the big problem. And, and in universities and in colleges around the nation, around the world, color by numbers is not the objective. It's to teach you how to be a, a holistic human being with critical thinking skills capable of doing the due, due diligence necessary to succeed both academically and professionally when you exit. So, <clears throat> Tulsa's quote, you are an adult and responsible for your actions. I'm, I'm not going to have that on, on the record. They're told <laughs> you're awesome though. Um, I think we've all been there. So, um, 
yeah, there's there's a lot of people that are talking about it, but I don't think that it'll come to uh, fruition in this regard, at least not at the grade school primary level. Um, colleges, it's I think it's Wild West. Um, and even there, AI should have we should tr teach students at the college level to use AI as a tool, but not as the solution. It should be nothing more than something to stoke your uh, true effort into action instead of, well, go back and look at some of our streams. We talk about attorneys that just sit there and run the uh, inquiry against ChatGPT and then they end up getting disbarred because they never did any other due diligence. So it's a shame, um, but AI is the, the teachable moment are, is people now standing in the unemployment line. Here, let's go on to the next article. Um, this next article is over on Gnometown Daily. Hasbro is bringing back the Furby again, but this time it'll have an off switch. And just to step back for a moment, Toll says, I think the best fit for AI is a teaching tool in a distant learning pro distance learning program like the University of Phoenix or Liberty University. Um, even there, I don't think that it has a place uh, other than to stoke someone into action, not be an actual solution. Um, yeah, it has it has its place, but it's not actually teaching. Um, that said, Everything old is new again, so Hasbro is releasing a new Furby for the 25th anniversary of the toy's original release. This thing is probably using AI um, nowadays. Furbies were popular in the late 90s, selling 40 million toys in the first three years, addressing the fears of those that remember Amazon listing confirms Furby will have an off switch. You know, it didn't have an off switch the last time. I suspect it didn't because they're making such a big to do about the off switch. So I what was that... the issue? Like, did it talk all the time or did yeah. it observe all the time? Well, it didn't really observe anything. It had sensors and stuff, but um, it it literally was operational all the time and it would just blurt out stuff randomly um, and wanted to be like, well, its algorithm would tell it to do something so that you would play with it and interact with it. Um, so Toll says, yeah, uh, nope. And that was why a few Furbies wound up in fires. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Oh, yeah. It became a thing. People just absolutely hate it. And, and people would stick multiple Furbies together and they would all interact with each other and and it was like chaos and they were always making weird noises and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so the article is over at businessinsider.com. Aaron McDade is the author. I guess these are the new ones. They're a little bit more stylish if I remember uh, my Furbies correctly. Crazy Cat Lady says that they loved their Furby and that they had a couple of them. You're part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, it's not the first time that they've come back. Correct. Yeah, there was a previous iteration of these. Um, I don't believe that they sold very well. The 25th anniversary 
it's going to have some new tech on it. I think the last iteration had like digital eyes or something like that. I think if I remember right. Um, uh, Crazy Cat Lady's daughter had one when they were younger. Yeah, they've been around. Um, and uh, I don't know how these are going to sell, but it says it, if it's going to have an off switch, then you know fine i'd be curious to see what people do with these things nowadays hasbro recently announced the 25 year anniversary redesign and return of the furby everyone's favorite or least favorite nonsense spouting fuzzy chatterbox hamster or owl creature thing so i'm gonna get one and name it chat gpt <clears throat> The original Furby, which came out in 1998, sold at least 40 million of the units in the first three years. As many parents quickly learned, however, their child's new favorite toy had no off button. So in the dead of night, this thing would just wake up and start going, blah. Um, and uh, yeah, I knew people that had them, but I w refused. <laughs> But people were like in line waiting to get these things. Later generations produced in the mid 2000s and early 2010s had versions of sleep modes and off switches, giving some relief to those who didn't want to constantly interact with the toy. Still not as bad as Tamagotchi's where you had to sit there and babysit them constantly. I was going to bring that up because I thought it sounded reminiscent of that. So Crazy Cat Lady says the last updated Furby with uh, color LCD eyes was released in 2016. So I, okay, I remember those. Waited in lines when they were younger and again for their daughter. Crazy Cat Lady, you are Crazy Cat Lady. And you had a Tamagotchi? Yeah, um, I had a coworker gift a Tamagotchi that they had in their, in a desk drawer in their home. And they're like, hey, you want one of these? And now it's sitting in a desk drawer in my home. <laughs> Maybe it's a listening device. I don't know. It's kind of what my associates would do to me. Had one of each kind of digital pet out there at one point. Yeah, that's dedication to tech. Are you going to get a uh, 25, uh, 25th anniversary Furby crazy cat lady? Or for that sake, toll. <laughs> Stick that in the passenger seat of the truck. Strap it in with a seat belt. Right in between you two. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's gonna super glue one of these things to their dashboard. So they said it was a little too reminiscent of Chucky, the murderous doll villain of the horror film Child's Play. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I dig all kinds of tech, though, so I'll probably noodle around with one of these things. <coughs> Pardon me. Hey, so let's go on to the last article for today. And um, I this is a horizontal platform scroller, uh, all uh, like... Uh, Prince of Persia style graphics from back in the 80s, but modern. 
So this is in the Warcrafters channel, swap horses and swords for kids on bikes in Kingdom 80s. So um, Kingdom actually has a series of games apparently. I have not uh, played any of these. I'm not too into the scrolling, scroller kind of games. Um, although Prince of Persia was my jam back in the day. And now they're going to be re-releasing Prince of Persia with much more updated graphics. Jonathan Bolding over at PCGamer.com put this article together. Fight invading greed monsters with the help of a few kids at Scout Camp. Word of warning. Okay, so let me throw... What was the last thing that I threw into chat? Doggone it. Um... It's only a matter of time, so I'm actually pretty up to date. So there is that one. And there is this one. Dun, dun. And um, so there's actually a pretty big following for the Kingdom series, as it were. And I watched this uh, video. I have it muted because I don't want to get a DMCA notice. Um, at some point, I'm going to have to address this because it's fair use um and i'm talking about it and over it but it's basically a side scroller it has 80s era uh, graphics and the content within it and bmx right uh, bike riding kids four of them and the music leans very hard into stranger things and so they actually say this in the article as well kids on bikes fighting befriending escaping pursuing monsters one of the strongest resurgent genres of the last decade and thanks to stranger things deeply ingrained to the 1980s aesthetic which first birthed it um and that's exactly what this is really the the audio track in this is reminiscent of stranger things what they do is reminiscent of Stranger Things. There's a portal in this game that's reminiscent of Stranger Things. Um, it had a hoverboard graphic at one point in this um, video. A yeah, that reminds me of like Back to the Future, but... <laughs> uh, which is 80s era uh, right. movie. So all of this is basically Stranger Things. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I think this is Stranger Things, um, and y'all might like it. So go and check it out. Uh, it says it'll release on June 26, 2023, and you'll be able to find it on Steam. It's called Kingdom 80s. Um, I might check it out. I don't. I haven't looked to see what the price of it is, um, but. I, I don't really play side scrollers all that much. Um, I like first person style games, um, base building, survival, etc. kind of things. Uh, Diablo is about as side scrolling as I want to get, and obviously it's not. So it doesn't um, have the price listed on Steam. It's not. No. Okay. So, yeah, I guess you're going to be going after greed monsters, which is, I don't know if this is like a play on capitalism or something, but um, if you're into the 80 styles, you know, uh, pixel graphic kind of things, then you'll dig this game. I like the aesthetic. I like the music. Um, 
not my style of game though so but uh you might like it so go and check it out play it come back talk shop if you have a camera or a, a microphone then i can even pull you into our discussion so that you can uh, voice your opinion live on the air so to speak i mean it'll be live but it'll be streamed no air involved it's all ones and zeros sent across a series of tubes uh anyway so uh we are at the end of today's show and that means that i drag you all the way back to main street we click on that welcome sign and uh, we get a whole bunch of new articles um let's see here five new steam games you probably missed that one we'll have to uh, the youtube tomorrow. star says he declined titan submersible invitation yeah, so you know that who that is, right? That YouTube Mr. Beast. Star is Mr. Beast was invited to that. Um, yeah, Tull, you want an invitation to be a guest? You'll have to lean back on the couch. I ask you all kinds of really involved personal questions. What's your favorite color? What's your mother's maiden name? None of that will be asked during the show. Uh, zip code. Um, where? What was the name of the school you went to? Um, if you could get a car in any color, what color would it be? What's your favorite book? All, all kinds of innocuous questions that are really, really harmless and won't allow me to access your bank. <laughs> Until says that their twitch went dumb and missed and they missed most of that probably better um yeah you're probably better for it so um we won't even go back um so yeah mr beast uh, declined an invitation to be on that titan sub yeah join the crowd tall mine's empty too yeah, I, I can't believe that. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and finding out that the sub that you were invited to be on imploded? Yeah. Uh, no, I've heard stories like that before, not with a sub specifically, but somebody was supposed to be on whatever, a flight or a ship or something, and then yeah. some tragedy occurred. But something out of the ordinary caused them not to be on yeah. flight ship etc like somebody needed to be on on that flight so they voluntarily bumped themselves and that plane or whatever yeah there's all kinds of stories like that it's really creepy um let's see is there anything else in here that's really exciting that we can guarantee will be in tomorrow's episode well, I don't know if I can guarantee it, but the Project Zomboid sounds interesting. <laughs> Great moments in PC gaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Project Zomboid um, kind of took the internet by storm and uh, has a lot of people still playing it. I um, do have a guarantee, though, for next time, because I've already submitted this one. The one at the bottom, Australia considers firing social media companies for fake news. Interesting. So they're going to start finding social media companies for fake news. 
I mean, I think I said the, firing. <laughs> um, that too. <laughs> the fiscal version of uh, responsibility, I suppose. But unless that fine is bigger than the take, then I don't know. Toll said that they pop the top off some whiskey and grab the good cigar and just think, yep, told you so. Yeah, this is, uh, it's, it's interesting because this person, that, that Titan thing, um, they, they pushed the, the limit of the technology without knowing what the quality of their technology was and nature kind of crushed it. So, oh, literally. Um, so Toll, um, Toll says Australia, everything is trying to kill you. The government is trying to suppress you, but we won't tolerate fake news. Yeah, I think we tolerate a lot of fake news here in the States. And really, I mean, I don't know, fake news. Uh, uh, I've said this in previous episodes and, and I'll probably end up saying it again is, um, we are a product of the information that we consume and we, we embrace bias. And so when something confirms our predisposed idea about what something is, we are more prone to accept that, that confirmation bias. And uh, it doesn't necessarily lead us in the right direction. So fake news and manipulation, it's basically like sales pitches. It's creating the want in people and it can do some very big harm. Again, I, I, I have to reach back into this almost decade old instance where Facebook manipulated the news that people were receiving and they were, they were measuring emotional contagion. And all it was, was negative news to 350,000 people and positive news to 350,000 people. And the people responded in kind. Those who received bad news constantly responded negatively. Those who received good news responded negatively. If we grow up, if we interact with everybody the same way in an echo chamber, it reinforces ideals, but those ideals can be abjectly wrong. Why? Because I'll give you anecdote. I've interacted with people who eschew technology all their life. The moment that I introduced them to something, suddenly their worldview opened up dramatically. Um, and I've, I've witnessed this again and again and again, helping businesses pivot from using older technology where they were afraid to do something to embracing newer technologies and all of the consumers, customers, um, along with it and bigger markets, global markets again and again, if we break out of what we are just comfortable with, we learn something new and our worldview grows. Um, 
but when somebody just feeds us incorrect information, then we have an incorrect worldview. Um, so, uh, Tola said uh, a few things in chat. And um, so let me see real quick here. Russian Alpha was a titanium alloy hull, and there are less than half of them that are serviceable. And I think I read that four of them can't dive more than a couple atmospheres because of structural integrity. Yeah. And, and that actually, the problem is that just because you went down once or twice doesn't mean that you can do it a third time because there's the, that structural load um, doesn't just dissipate. Um, it actually has to be repaired and monitored and, and this particular person, um, Rush, um, never did anything to verify the integrity of the capsule except for the uh, echo, the sonar check. And that wasn't going to be good enough. And odds on, the way that this thing imploded was from the nose cone um, because it wasn't rated for the depth that it was diving, apparently. Uh, about ready to end your Facebook because they keep showing you basketball articles and you can't stand basketball. Look at that. You're part of that emotional contagion. You're getting all of this bad news, which is basketball. Looked up Jordan stats a few times and now your feed's infected with NBA. Yeah, same thing happens on YouTube. Um, look up way more baseball and I get nothing. Facebook kind of meta sucks. Yep. <clears throat> I'm on Facebook, but I don't use it. Um, at some point they'll probably take my account, um, and, and recycle it. Um, that said, I think we're done for tonight. What do you say? Hot wheels, rift Valley review. There's another one. Although that was three hours ago. So maybe we grabbed that one. I'm not sure. That's okay. I think that might be a different article, but it's the topic we covered. Yep. All right. Um, so that's it for tonight. And um, let me close with thanks for coming and hanging out. Really do appreciate it. Sorry, I'm reading a message from Toll in chat. Brittle under pressure, unlike the steel alloys that other countries use, steel will return to its original shape after being exposed to depth. Yeah, titanium is strong and light, but um, brittle. That's my understanding, too. It can shatter. Um, so, okay, so we've had a lot of discussion and a lot of topics. Um, and I hope that you will uh, attend tomorrow as well. That would be great. I would love to hear your voices, even if it is in text form. I, I actually imagine uh, people's voices in my head when I read their texts. Um, so come and check us out and uh, feel free to lurk if you need to or want to. Uh, but I really do uh, thrive off of the discussion, particularly for uh, Omtown Daily. Um, I also am gaming. I'll probably be gaming tomorrow um, sometime after 10 a.m. Um, I have some mayoral duties that I need to take care of, but um, please follow um, here on Twitch. Go over to uh, YouTube and follow us there. All of these shows end up over there for long-term storage, and it gets turned into a podcast each uh, morning the next day. Um, 
and uh, leave a review over there. If you leave a five-star review and you leave a comment there, I will read your comment live here on uh, Omtown. Um, regardless of what it is, I will just read it <laughs> verbatim. Um, unless it's an accusation uh, of somebody, if it lands me into a, a libel or slander um, type uh, lawsuit, then I won't say it, but anyway. Um, I'm sure nobody would ever do that. <laughs> no, not until you gave them the idea. <laughs> well, that's exactly what Toll just said. Toll said, don't tell me that. <laughs> oh, great. I've opened the Pandora's box or the gates of hell or, or now open the door to hell is open. Okay. So that's it folks. Um, we're going to get out of here and we're going to see you tomorrow. I hope. 9 p.m. Eastern, Omtown Daily, right here on uh, twitch.tv slash Omtown. I am Merwat. That is Omtown. I am uh, I'm looking at the monitor, but it's on the opposite side. Anyway, um, that is Omtown.com, the news aggregator that facilitates all of my news without the noise. So go and check it out. Become a citizen of Omtown. Up there is the AI that's keeping tabs on me and watching me. Always watching. Good night, Omtown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's true. See you soon. Good night, Toll. Good night, crazy cat lady. Stay awesome, everybody.